0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father. As we have paused over these past three or four weeks. To consider what you have done. To consider that you sent your son. In the form of a baby. So that we could be reconciled to you. That this baby, Jesus. Would be the one who came and took our sins. Took him to the cross. That our sins were buried with him. That he was raised from the dead. So that we could have life. God we are so thankful for what you have done. God help us to be a people. Through your spirit. Who give you all the glory and honor and praise. God, we know that during this time of year, that as we are celebrating the birth of your son, that for many, Lord, uh, there are struggles, there are hurts, there are hardships, there's sickness. God, I pray specifically this morning that you would be with Donna as she's still recovering from her open heart surgery. God, I pray that you'd be with Whit's mother as she's still recovering also from a hip surgery. God, I pray for all of those who are dealing with various ailments this morning, that God, your peace and your comfort would be with them. God, I pray for all the missionaries, both foreign and local, that we support. That God, that many of them are many, many miles away from family. God, I pray that you would comfort them this morning. God, I pray that you would Just enlarge their vision of who you are. We are so thankful that we can be a part of what you are doing all over the world. God, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. And that you would pierce our hearts. All this is possible only because of your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today is going to be in the book of Ephesians. So if you will turn to Ephesians chapter 5, or turn on your devices to Ephesians chapter 5, and if you will stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to start in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise To God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. May God bless the reading of His Word, you may be seated. We are continuing um, our break from the book of Mark. We'll be back in Mark in, in two weeks. We'll be back in the triumphant entry. But I thought it was fitting as we're moving through the holidays to take a break. And this morning, you may think that I'm going uh, a little bit crazy. And there's plenty of evidence for that and reason for that. If you know me. You would may notice, I don't know how many of you read the title of the sermons, but you may notice that the title of the sermon is Thanksgiving. And you may be saying, wait a minute, Lewis, like, does that mean it's going to take you a couple weeks to get to Christmas and then New Year's? No, no, there's a point to what's going on. I wanted to pause this morning and talk about gratitude. Talk about giving thanks. Isn't it interesting that as we gather in here. Um, on the 26th of December. Uh, the gifts have been opened. And there may be a sense in your home. There may be a sense in your life. Kind of like you know now what. Some of you may still be partially in a food Carb coma this morning. Some of you, uh, family is still here and you're rejoicing in that. Some of you, family has gone. And for some of you, that may bring sadness or it may bring joy that the family is gone. For some of you, already the newness of the cool stuff that you might have gotten for Christmas is wearing off. Isn't it interesting how quickly that happens? Some of you may have already been on Amazon this morning to get the newer stuff or the cooler stuff that maybe your mom or dad or your husband didn't get you. I love this time of year. But one of the things that we need to notice and recognize is that there is often a build-up to this time of year. And for many of us, there's this build-up and then there's this quick turned downward. I remember when I was young, when I was in school, um, I loved Christmas partly for the Christmas break and being back home and seeing family, and then just feeling the dread of the winter doldrums. that I was just looking ahead, if I can just make it to spring break, <laughs> if I can make it to Easter. pretty soon it'll it's not cold today it'll be colder it'll be darker and for many of us it we kind of turn inward a little bit for many of us maybe the promise of christmas the promise of joy the promise of peace gives way to a reality that could be difficult could be hard It's interesting, it's interesting that Christmas is a time for us to pause, Christmas is a time for us to pause and consider the birth of our Savior, to remind ourselves of what God has done by sending his son. And in reality, as Damon was even speaking this morning in the announcements, the reality is that we aren't to, to pause for Christmas and then go on or go back to something dreadful or hard or difficult. This is meant to remind us and for us to live in this reality of who God is and what he has done for us, even in the midst of struggles and hard times. As I was looking to preach a sermon on Thanksgiving, if you were to look in the New Testament, if you were to scour the epistles, you could find many, many, many verses, many, many texts all over the New Testament that talk about Thanksgiving. Paul writes a lot about this topic. And isn't it fascinating that when we think of the New Testament church, when we think of those early times, it wasn't as if things were all grand and great and wonderful for first century Christians. So when Paul said, hey, In all things, give thanks that they were like, yeah, this is great. For many of them, persecution was happening or would be happening soon. For many of them, their family structures were torn apart by their faith. For many of them, things were hard, things were difficult. Paul himself, as he is writing this epistle, this letter to the church at Ephesus, was in jail And yet, and yet, I think Paul, even at this moment, he knows the end is coming for him. And yet, he writes a verse like verse 20, always giving thanks for all things. This should mark the Christian life. Thanksgiving, gratitude, should be one of the marks of the Christian life. In fact, in the book of Romans, as Paul is beginning that letter, he gives us the opposite of the Christian life. Do you remember years ago now when we were in the book of Romans and years ago and years ago when we were in Romans chapter 1 and we looked at verse 21 and we, keep, we kept coming back to this whole idea that the essence of sin... Is in Romans one twenty one where it says. They did not honor God as God. And do what? And give Him thanks. The antithesis of the Christian life. Is not giving God the glory. And the honor that He is due. And not giving Him the thanks that He is due. That's the antithesis of the Christian life. And so no wonder. All over the New Testament. The proper response to knowing God. Christ is gratitude is thankfulness even in the tough times and i know that some of you are here this morning and you said you, you may be saying louis you just don't understand you just don't know and you're right i don't but what i do know is that as a christian We have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. (laughs) One of my guilty pleasures is I I really like old TV shows. And one of the things that Casey hates is that I can watch reruns of TV shows that I used to watch a really long time ago. And I won't name all of them, but to, to my pleasure this Christmas, several times I saw... Um, an episode of an old TV show from my childhood uh, that was uh, taking, the, this episode was taking place near Christmas, and in this, in this show, and this will tip you off to, to what the show is, even though I won't name it, but in this show, um, it was found out that one of the men, and growing up in his household, they didn't celebrate Christmas. They, celib- they made up a new holiday and called it Festivus. And, the, and the, the greeting was Festivus for the rest of us. And Festivus was set up as an antithesis to Christmas. And so in Festivus, instead of giving thanks or being joyful, one of, the, one of the hallmarks of Festivus was that you were to air your grievances. And to my surprise, if you just look up Festivus, and you didn't know about the TV show... A Wikipedia page will come up and it'll talk about an alternative to Christmas. So some must have started following this Festivus. I don't know if they did feats of strength as well. But would started following this idea of Festivus. And it even says in the Wikipedia definition, it's the antithesis, the alternative to Christmas. Our passage, our Christmas, our celebration has everything to do with Thanksgiving. Now, we could go all over the Bible. We could spend days and countless Sundays and there are books that are written and there are articles and there are anything that you can imagine that we could go through and we could look at the reasons for why Christians should be thankful. And just by fact that God is God, God can also just say, be happy and that's enough. Paul could just write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, be thankful without any reason and it would be right and good. But Paul doesn't do this. Paul gives us some reason and some logic. And I could go all throughout the book of Ephesians and there are some great and wonderful truths, but as I was studying for this passage, I just spent my time in this chapter and I saw some things in this chapter that brings us some reasons for great joy and for thanksgiving. Look at the beginning of this chapter in verse 1 and 2. And I think rightfully so when we read this passage, the first phrase trips us up a little bit. It says, therefore be imitators of God. Small thing, right? Therefore be imitators of God. But notice, notice what's embedded, notice what's embedded in these verses. Be imitators of God as beloved children. So if you are in Christ, you are a beloved child and it says, and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And so when you read these two verses, one of the things that you should come away with is that you are loved. If you are in Christ, you are loved. And you're not loved with some superficial love that comes with some mere pat on the back. But notice what it is saying. That God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. This is the message of this verse. That God so loved you that He gave His Son and there's all sorts of images in verse 2 of sacrifice and aroma that Christ God loved you so much that He sent Christ to come and die for you. If we were to go back to chapter 2 of Ephesians, in the first couple of verses there, we would be told things like this. You were dead in your trespasses and sin." In verse 3, you are by nature children of wrath. And then comes this sweeping phrase, but God, but God, because of His love and because of His mercy made you alive, that there was nothing that you did. There were no works that you did to earn God's love and favor. There were no deeds done. There was nothing that you did to deserve that. But purely because of God's love for you that he made you alive in Christ he sent his son to die and here's the question if that is all we talked about this morning is that enough is that enough for you to spend your life being thankful for what God has done for you it's enough we could stop the sermon here But we won't. Look at verse 8 of chapter 5. It says, For you were formerly formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. About a week ago, uh, Friday, a week ago this past Friday, um, I was going out for a run, and if you remember that day, it was... uh, Very foggy up here and rainy. And I was going out for a long trail run and got lost. I haven't told Casey this. It's less of a big deal now when I get lost out running because I have technology that I can get back to where I'm going. But I couldn't see five feet in front of my face. It was totally dark. I had a headlamp, but the lamp wasn't working well because of the fog. And I was totally lost and felt helpless. But then, as the sun comes up, I realized, oh, here's the path. Okay, I got it. I know where this path is. I know where this path leads. And thankfully, that path led me to the bigger path to where I knew where I was and I was able to finish that journey, finish that run. As Paul is talking here and saying that you are children of the light, this is the kind of thing that Paul is describing. But until... Christ is in you until his spirit is in you until you have the light you are lost you don't know the path you don't know the path of the way to to please god the way to to be working out your salvation you are totally in the darkness you are totally blind you are totally helpless notice in verse 9 and 10 and 11 For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So that God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't save us and leave us alone in darkness. But God saves us and He gives us the light. He illuminates the way through Jesus and through Jesus walking on this earth. And so have you ever thought about how great the gift is that we get in God's word, through his spirit, in the example of Christ, that we know the way to try and please God. What a gift we have been given. And the question that when I ask you, is that enough for you to be thankful? Look at verse 15. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us. And you've heard me say this very often that God didn't just save us to be sitters, but God brought us into his family, brought us into his kingdom for a purpose and for a plan. And verse 10 tells us that we are his workmanship. And how difficult it would be is that if we were his workmanship and we were just made to kind of work away and not know what we were supposed to do. And these verses tell us that not only has God created us for a work, but he is given us this work and that we are supposed to be light in this world. That we are supposed to be wise, we are supposed to know the will of God and the will of God is to display his son to the world, to walk in love. verse one and two again. We're given that wisdom. Are you thankful? Some of you might be saying that's impossible. That's impossible. That's probably the right response. And that's why verse 18 tells us, as Kurt was reminding us this morning, that we're not left alone. God hasn't just given you a job to do, but He's given you the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine, but this command, be filled with the Spirit. And this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit, the the idea behind it is that you already have the Spirit in you. We know from reading our Bibles that if you are a believer, that you have the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes in the New Testament, it tells us to be filled with the Spirit, or have more of the Spirit. What an amazing gift that we have. And you may ask this morning, I'm going to give you the secret to unlock this how in the world can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? More filled with the Holy Spirit than I already am. And I would say it's as simple as considering and thinking on the greatness of God and the greatness of His Son Jesus, and praying that God will just enlighten you and, in, and overpower you with who He is. through reading and praying and recognizing the greatness and goodness of God. And then we are to live this out and walk this out in community. And that's where we get to this verse as we're living this out and walking this out in community that we're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. We're singing and making a melody with our heart to the Lord. And we're always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father. That you can see we should be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. Now some of you may not know this. um, And so I'm going to out him today. But some of you may not know that uh, Steve Bauer likes to fly airplanes. And I'm sure, you know, if you'd want to, he may take you up in this airplane. And I want you to consider maybe you're flying with Steve or somebody else this morning and you're in a small airplane and you're there in the cockpit, you're going to see a bunch of different gauges. And let's say as you're flying, that all of a sudden you hear these noises like beep, 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 and these red lights are flashing on one of these gauges, and you may say, Steve, what's going on? Ah, oh, we're fine. You probably need a new pilot. <laughs> Those gauges are given to us to know that there's something wrong. Brothers and sisters, when we are living life and we do not have a thankful heart, that is a gauge that there is something spiritually wrong. That is the flashing lights and the noise going off that there's something going on in my soul that is not right and we need to pay attention to that. Because if we don't pay attention to that, it could lead to a crash. Maybe even this morning, as I was reading verses 19-21, through 21, that you were recoiling. That you were bristling. That may be God this morning letting you know that there is something wrong spiritually within you. Because when we are where we should be spiritually, when we are walking with the Lord, when we are being filled with His Spirit, one of the gauges that shows us that we are where we are supposed to be is that our life is full of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, I want you to hear me. There is real pain, real hurt, real disappointment. And that pain and hurt and disappointment should not overwhelm the reality of God and His greatness and His goodness. Somebody recently sent me an article, many of you probably know, a famous author and pastor Tim Keller is battling cancer. And one of the things that Tim Keller has said recently is that many of the things that he has written over the years, uh, he is just now seeing the truth of those statements. That he thought he knew them, but as he's going through this, he's realizing the truth of these statements. And I want you to hear this statement uh, that he made it at some point. The glory of the Christian life is that we have a hope that overwhelms grief. Let me read that again. The glory of the Christian life is that we have a hope that overwhelms grief. It does not eradicate it. It sweetens it. It overwhelms it. This is the reality of the Christian life. It's not that the problems, the pain, and the suffering goes away, but those things are put in perspective When we are faced with the reality of how good and how great God is and how good and great our salvation is and how good and great the gifts that we get from God, the hope that we are to rest in. And if this morning you are there and you are in a bad place, I would say just go home and read Romans eight. And it is filled with promises that our present suffering cannot compare to the glory that's going to be revealed. That nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. The whole of Scripture is filled with us seeing a vision of God who is a loving, good, promise-keeping God. People, institutions, and families will fail you. But brothers and sisters, God and His Word never fail. Never fail. Now, you may be saying, "Okay, Lewis, does that mean that, you know, I just let people run over the top of me and I never confront them? No. Look, in these verses, it says that, you know, look at verse 11. Don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. There is a place for confrontation. There is a place for reconciliation. There is a place for for airing grievances. But isn't it much different when that is done out of a heart and in a heart that is so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that at the same time that we're going through something hard and difficult and we're working through that at that same moment with the hardness that we have the goodness. And that, that should be the Christian walk. Now, I want to point towards a reality that I think is important sometimes we miss as pastors and that is is that there's sometimes and and you know you all know those of you who know me know that I come from a mental health background and have spent 20 years counseling folks and there is a reality that sometimes there are chemical imbalances in our brains sometimes there are hormonal imbalances sometimes our thyroids aren't working like they're supposed to and so sometimes that there are dispositions medically that tend to push people towards um, not being able to see goodness and not it's harder for them to be able to be thankful. And what I would say as a pastor, and one of the things I've said many, many times in the counseling room is this, one of the reasons that you take your medications is so that the medications can help you unlock whatever is going on chemically so that you can give thanks and praise and glory to God. It's still the end goal. Sometimes there just needs to be a little help to get there. Now, one of the things I find interesting, and I'm switching gears a little bit here, but one of the things I find interesting is that if you were to receive, if you needed um, to put yourself to sleep at night, you can go and get counseling journals because they will put you to sleep really quickly. But one of the things that's very interesting that, that has shown up over the past 10 or 15 years and probably longer Is the science behind thanksgiving. Do you know in a secular psychological model. One of the things that we look towards. One of the treatment protocols. Is to get people to write out the positive things in their life. Or to get people to focus on positive things. Or things that they're thankful for. Very interesting. In fact one of the things in marital therapy. That I've often had people do is that. Uh, to take an index card and just write every day just one thing that you're thankful for for your spouse. And there's something about thankfulness, there's something about thankfulness that is good for our soul. That's what science is telling us. How much more so for Christians, how much more so for Christians should we understand this? You see, when I'm counseling, or when I used to counsel with non-Christians, it's almost like you're just making up things to be thankful for. How sad is it that sometimes the reality of what we were saying is, you woke up. How much more? How much more? Healing and good is the reality that we can write down on our card, I am a loved child of God. If you are His, you are anchored in this huge, magnificent reality. And so the question for us becomes, will you follow this command? Will you follow this command? It's a command. Be thankful. For all things. And I think it all hinges on two words. Follow me here. I think it hinges on two words. So when we're thinking about this, when we're thinking about this, we may think and consider God and His love But then these two words pop in our mind. You know what those two words are? Yeah, but. So that we may think about being thankful. We may think about even this sermon. We may even think about some of the gifts that God has given us. And then something in us turns to that, yeah, but. We can fill in the blank after that, can't we? With a lot of things. Or. Or. We can think about this sermon and we can think about all the hard things. We can think about the difficult relationships. We can think about the hardships. We can think about the wrongs that people have done to us. We can think about that the world just doesn't seem right for us. And then we can utter those words as well. Yeah. Hmm. the goodness of God. God loves me. He's given me these gifts. He's given me light for the path. He's given me wisdom. He's given me His Spirit so that I can in this day be thankful to God for what He has done amidst all the circumstances and walk the will that He has for my life to be His light for others. The key is not to minimize your hurt and your pain and your hardships. But the key is to maximize the greatness and goodness of God in your life. Will you think on those things? Where is your focus? Where is your focus? Will we be a people? Will we be a people that even after Christmas... In the doldrums of winter. Where we will focus on our hearts. Where we will focus on our souls. And when we are looking inwards. And when we're realizing that our hearts are not filled with thankfulness. Will we be a people who see that as a sign that something is wrong. That something is wrong. Now you may be. Tempted, or you may be asking me this morning. All right, Lewis, so look, I'm not there. So what do you want me to do? You want me to fake it? You want me to fake it till I make it? Uh, maybe. But what I really want you to do, what I really want you to do, that question becomes a little irrelevant to me because what I really want you to do is to go after whatever it is in your soul that's not right. And to be honest... Again, I am doing a lot of confessing over the past month. Thursday, as I was finishing up this sermon, I was not in a good place emotionally. And I was in Starbucks um, finishing this sermon and some good friends of ours, Casey and mine, came in and I had two options. I could have just been, uh ah, you know, that's not me. I, have, I have probably have a hard time doing that one. If, uh, I get away and so... So they came over and, uh, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know? and, 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 you know, I thought I was honest because what I said is, you know, I'm, I'm trying. You know, I didn't go into anything with them. But you know what the amazing thing was? Through this couple coming up and standing and talking to me, that by the end of that, I, God was just working in my heart. And that because I was willing to sit there and entertain this conversation with them, that God kind of used that in my own heart and mind to say, hey, Lewis, you know that sermon you're writing right now? You need to apply that to yourself. To where I do think if I would have shut myself off, then I, I don't know if I would have gotten there as easy. I mean, look at the text. Notice the one another's that are in here. Speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Another gift that God has given us is one another. Will you, will you pay attention to your heart? Will we be a people that is marked by thanksgiving? Because we have a lot to be thankful for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. God, it is my hope and expectation that as we paused for Christmas to celebrate the coming of your son, that God, we were filled with joy and hope and peace and thanksgiving. But it is also my expectation and hope that it doesn't end there. That we become the people that you created us to be. That as followers of yours. That we are marked by the reality that we have a ton to be thankful for. Help us to be those kind of people. Help us to be a people. Help us to be a people. That when we are not there. Are not settled. Will not settle. Until we get there. We are so thankful for your goodness in our lives. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.